Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Lila Van Gerpen, I am Rob Dixon. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is without question. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners exploring stories about what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. This week, our guest is Reverend Liz Testa. Liz is a pastor, a ministry executive, a community builder, a podcast host, a board member, a mom, an advocate, an actress, a foodie, a wife, et cetera, et cetera. Liz, is there anything you do not do? My question. <laughs> Since 2014, she has served the Reformed Church in America as the visionary leader for women's transformation and leadership and equity-based hospitality. Liz, welcome. Welcome, Thank Liz. you. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. It's so Absolutely. good to have you. Did I, did I miss anything in that list of introduction roles? It sounds great to me. <laughs> Beautiful. Good deal. So good to have you here. Liz, I think we met for the first time at the CBE conference uh, back in Houston. And it's so fun to have you here on the podcast. And I just want to say you exude so much joy and passion that I can't wait to get into this conversation. <laughs> so let's start with a fun question. We like to start with this question just to get to know people a little better. So here it is. What is a mixed gender partnership that you appreciate from literature, movies, et cetera? And why do you appreciate it? So I appreciate this question, and it did give me some some opportunity to really think about um, mixed gender partnerships that we're seeing right on the screen. Um, and there is a PBS series that has come out recently with season two. It's called Sanditon, and it is um, one that is based on an unfinished novel by Jane Austen. Oh, wow! And so. As I was, and you know, and Jane Austen, champion of of strong women, young women, um, in her literature, in her books, and such. And so, this Sanditon is doing a wonderful job of creating, um, even as it's it's in Regency England, it's the early eighteen hundreds. These uh, the characters, uh, the, the male and female characters in in the series, are are really strong. So you've got strong. Women supporting women, encouraging each other. And then you also have some really beautiful, strong relationships between men and women. And so one that I particularly delight in is um, is this relationship between this heiress from the Caribbean named Georgiana and this brother of one of the lead characters. So he's a secondary lead character. His name is Arthur. And the two of them together just have this wonderful relationship. It's very like brotherly, sisterly, or like cousins. There's a familial sense, even though they don't, you know, they're no blood relation to each other. But just the way that they 
delight in each other's company, the way that she's able to trust him because she's got quite, she comes with a lot of money. She's kind of seen as exotic, if you will, um, in this context, because this takes place in uh, coastal England. And she's um, a woman of uh, Caribbean, African Caribbean background. And so it's this really, she doesn't know who to trust. And this, this gentleman, Arthur, just treats her with so gallantly, but also letting her be her true self mm-hmm. and live into her power. And one of the things in the storyline of this season two is she wants to hold a boycott against sugar because of its implications around slavery in the Caribbean. And it's really a beautiful thing that they're bringing forth, a theme that they're bringing forth in this in this season. But just the way that um, that she's able to really rally people around her to boycott. And um, there's also like she lives with uh, her guardians are the pastor and his sister, and they're also behind her. So but it's just it's really nice to see the way that she's being lifted up and encouraged and the way that Arthur is, as other men are kind of circling, wanting to marry her, wanting to see, you know, can we get in with her because she's got Mm -hmm. money. He just really stays faithful to the friendship and and to showing up for her in whatever way she needs to be able to continue to be strong um, in the context that she's in, which is, you know, it's kind of a still a patriarchal mm-hmm. society. And she's got, on top of that, she's got that she's, you know, she's from another country and she's of a different mm-hmm. race. So lots of layers there. But I've been particularly enjoying uh, that, that, that mixed gender partnership within yeah. a strong, uh, you know, a, a, a series with strong writing yeah. uh, for men and women. Uh, in the roles. Yeah. I love that. You convinced me. I'm queuing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not Bridgerton, Sanditon, you said. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. Bridgerton, I could also talk about that, but yes, <laughs> Sanditon, you know, we do need, we do, we do need our little um, opportunities to get away from, the, from, from our That's ministry right. and right. life and whatever. <laughs> and, you know, just to say, I was also going to name uh, my, my daughter's birthday wish last year was that we would watch all the Marvel movies together. We were still oh, in fun. pandemic lockdown. So we watched, I, <laughs> I'm not the one to just automatically watch the Marvel movies, but for my daughter's uh, 16th birthday wish, we watched them. And I also appreciate, I just want to name this because this was what I was first going to, going to, going to name is in, uh, in Black Panther, the, the, the way that um, King T'Challa, the main character there, mm-hmm has this strong circle of women around him mm-hmm. and the way that they are for him, but they still respect him and champion him as the leader, but yet they are also able to live fully into their gifts and callings. That's just a really, to me, that was, that's also a really beautiful um, example of mixed gender partnerships that might be more for, the, yeah. <laughs> for maybe more people will have seen Black Panther, yeah. <laughs> but I really, I appreciated. Um, and then the variety of women's uh, women that are surrounding him and how each one of those roles, he's got his love interest, his mother, his sister, mm-hmm. all the different ways that those women are able to engage with him and support him in his leadership. But at the same time, he uh, is is also letting them inform his his reign, his leadership, and letting them lead in their ways as well, and especially their gifts, being oh, able yeah. to be used well. You're expanding our, our reach here, Liz. You've got the Sanditon crowd <laughs> happy now, and we've got the Black Panther crowd happy now. It's great. Um, let me let me speak your language a bit and ask you to tell us a story. So I know you're, you love your storyteller. Um, of all the mixed gender ministry partnerships you've had in your ministry career, is there one that stands out to you as especially life-giving or fun or enjoyable and why? 
Well, Dr. Rob Dixon, I could use you as an example, but I'm sure that you all have already talked about that um, uh, with with your partner here in ministry, Lila. Um, so, so I will talk about um, my colleague here at where I'm officed, which is New Brunswick Theological Seminary, and our president here is Dr. Micah McCreary. He came on in uh, a few years ago as our first African-American president of this historic seminary, uh, which is part of the Reformed Church in America, which is a Dutch descent denomination and the oldest Protestant denomination in North America with continuous ministry. So it's historic is why I'm telling you that. And so when Dr. McCreary came in, he was really looking for who are people that I'm going to be able to connect with. He came from a different faith tradition. He came from a, a whole different context, but but he trusted that God was bringing him here for a purpose. And I just so appreciate the way that he just linked arms with me right away, identifying how we could be um, good colleagues to each other and how we could support each other in these um, these callings into kind of culture-shifting ministry roles, and his as helping this historic seminary live into the 21st century and really broadening our reach globally. And uh, he also comes with a psychology background, so just really shoring up um, the offerings. Uh, Mental health is just critical right now, right, in all ways, in the church and in society. So he just had all sorts of things that he was bringing, but also— he has a background that uh, besides just as uh, in the academy and psychology, he also co-pastored a church with his wife, um, the other Dr. McCreary. So the two of them have have got this wonderful history together. So he knew right away how to be in great relationship with women, with leaders, um, helping to see what is it that we can be doing together. And so Dr. McCreary has come alongside and has contributed to our ministry for women's transformation and leadership by being a champion. You know, Rob, you and I in the circles that we travel in, I've, I've often heard you talk about men sponsoring women, you know, this kind of mentoring, supporting. But he really came along and just kind of met me as a peer, but also as, as a champion, as an advocate, mm-hmm. really encouraging me uh, when the going got tough and it does get tough out there right when we're doing this work of egalitarian church yes so th- so that's I, I could go on a little bit more but that i'll just put a pause there and see what you all have to say yeah. about that i love uh, that story yeah great yeah well let's take a moment and talk about some of the tough stuff that you mentioned so on the other side of these life-giving stories in our lives what are some of the challenges that you've had to work through as you've partnered with men in your ministry world well, it's an ongoing work, right? Uh, we are trying to do this reconciling work back to God's original intention uh, for humanity, mm-hmm. right? For men and women to be co-laboring side by side, to be in reconciled, holistic, healthy relationships. So just thinking about how do we encourage that in today's world, where I see the biggest rub, and especially recently it's been kind of magnified for me, is the brothers not having done their work. Mm -hmm. So running fast and hard with unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing. I've really gotten clear on that lately, that you can have men that in theory, they have this idea like, we love women, we champion women, we want women, we want the sisters working with the brothers. And there's a lot of good theory, but the actual practice 
is where the work has not been done, the transformation. And there's like, there's been perhaps a heart transformation or even like a light um, theoretical transformation, right? So it's like mentally in some ways they're like, oh yeah, I'm on board with women. But there's this deeper thing. And I just want to give a a little um, example, if I may. So uh, Pastor Israel Camacho from Mesa, Arizona, He's part of our guiding coalition. And when, um, so Women's Transformation and Leadership, the ministry that I steward, has a guiding coalition, cross-sector group of, of folks from all over the denom- denomination and beyond who help us to think about what do we need to do to really make um, uh, really make change happen and do it in godly, gracious ways, right? We don't want to come with a big stick. We want to do it in, in, in appropriate ways, but intentional ways. So what happened to Pastor uh, Israel was he was at one of our meetings— and he kept hearing about this, right? This notion of egalitarian church, of women and men working together, of raising the profile of women and celebrating their gifts and callings. And what he realized was he had been saying, I support women. They're free to live into their callings, starting with his own wife, uh, Pastor Carla, who was serving alongside him. But then he realized that even though he was paying good lip service to it, he was not actually doing anything to actually help so he was he needed to create more of an environment within his church setting where those gifts could be welcomed he needed to encourage the women to step into leadership and give them opportunities to do it it was this kind of both and thing of encouraging the women like believe in yourselves you can do this and helping create that hospitable space within the church environment so that there would be that sense that they could be welcomed and then there would be a space for them to live into their gifts. So I would say this kind of aha moment that um, our brothers need to have of like, what do they need to do to help actually create this space for men and women to freely and fully share their gifts and live into their callings together? And also then a particular work is around this unconscious bias. And this is not about being politically correct this is not about browbeating and making the brothers live in fear that they're going to get told on if they do move the wrong way. That's not what this is about. Unconscious bias is just what it says. It is where you are having these biases and you're, you've got this kind of unseen thing that's happening where you're creating barriers to this healed, healed healthy ministry environment and partnerships and you don't know about it. And so you gotta you got to be intentional about doing that work of, of, of undoing the unconscious bias. Yeah. Appreciate you naming that Liz. I think that's right. So for listeners out there, guys do your work. If you have men around Mm -hmm. you do the work and we can maybe put some resources for that in the show notes as well. I think Liz, um, the other thing I appreciate about what you just said is the gap between value and practice, which I think is too often present. So how do we narrow that gap? How do we actually make our convictions manifest or embodied in our, in our work. Right. So it's a good, can I, can I add to that too, Rob, you just, you just triggered this in me that sometimes what happens is you have a leader like Israel, right? He's all for it, but he also realized, and I know there's other brothers who I've been working with lately in consultation where they want to empower the women in their midst. And they realize that they need to get their, like their next layer of leadership so like in a local church, it would be the board of trustees or elders and deacons or whatever they're called in any denominational context, but or in organizations, you need your top layer of leadership 
to be on board. So they need to do their unconscious bias training, and then they also need to really be strategic and intentional about that hospitality and that mutuality. So I think that's also about like you can have a visionary leader who caught it, they, they caught the vision for for, for women um, to be fully included, but they just, they, and they may have told that to their senior staff, but their senior staff has to then have the heart and mind transformation mm-hmm. and be equipped to be able to actually then move that out and make that change happen. Mm-hmm. That's a little gap I've also been seeing lately. That's a good word. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. So so there's challenges, Liz, and you've just, I think, named one of the primary ones. Talk about the benefits. So as you worked, you as you partnered with men in ministry, what have been the benefits you've experienced, you've seen? You just want a few. So <laughs> so I, I I mean, I just feel like it's 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 just it's a beautiful way to be able to celebrate the diversity of gifts. The way that God has gifted and called each of us has planted unique gifts and strengths and and I mean also like ideas, right? In each of us. And so when we're we're like blocking the blessing, as they say in some churches, if we don't welcome everybody at the table. And that's, I mean, that's for our purposes today, really, we're focusing on men and women, but that's also people of different racial ethnic backgrounds, of different socioeconomic status, different, any kind of background, right? Generations, all of those things, people with different abilities. I mean, that this is, this is really critical in the greater sense of holistic ministry. So I would say it's giving you this opportunity to cultivate the combination of gifts in the body, to have more opportunities for creative thinking. You pool strengths so you're stronger together, right? They say if you want to go far, uh, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Uh, It also gives you, we talk a lot in Unconscious Bias, right, about perspective taking. So it provides Mm -hmm. different perspectives, broader perspectives. And like, you don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do with that. That just, like, that's just, uh, it just creates so <laughs> much beautiful space for holy imagination. And it also um, it also helps to reach populations of people. So when you're thinking about what is, we're drawing the circle wide so we can embrace more people. If you have more people at the center who are part of that leadership, who have that, who can draw that circle wider because of the perspectives they're bringing, because of the gifts, the creative thinking, et cetera, yeah. you're going to be able to just reach more people and to, 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 to yeah, just to have a, a, a better sense of um, drawing the circle wide. Beautiful. As you think about the mixed gender partnerships you've been a part of, what do you say are the success factors? So you've painted this beautiful vision of the benefits, but what does it take to get there? What do people, what needs to be present in order for people to thrive? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, so respect, right? Yes. I knew we'd we'd have a song eventually. It's all, yes, all the world's a song just waiting to be sung. All all of scripture is just a song waiting to be sung too. Um, But yes, respect is key. And that goes, I mean, that's all up, down, and sideways, all the ways that we think about respect. Um, I think having a sense of humor is important. Honesty, integrity. Security in ourselves, and that's mm-hmm. both genders, all genders. That's like you got to have that security in who you are. And so there's a lot of like, let me unpack that just a little quick bit. So part of that is like um, in the Christian world, right? It's our identity in Christ is important that we are God's beloved child. 
um, gifted and called for such a time as this. And I would say in the work that I do with women so often, this is where the enemy, this is where the hindrance comes, is that the women are, it's imposter syndrome, it's little Miss Perfect syndrome, it's you're not good enough, you're not, you know, who do you think you are? Or if you're like me and come from some of the traditions where we're a little much, um, it's you're too loud, you're too forceful, you're too bossy, you're too angry, you're too whatever. So whatever those issues are, um, and the guys have them too, right? But uh, I'll rob, rob that 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 that's a podcast for another day talking about another the brothers' episode. issues, right? But um, but just to say that having security in yourself, and so mm-hmm. uh, if you need therapy for that, if you need small groups for that, if you just need prayer for that, whatever needs to happen. But I think that's that's a key piece to create thriving environment, and then also I think this mutual desire for thriving. Mm-hmm. For success, um, having each other's backs, being there, you know, our our guiding scripture for this ministry of women's uh, encouraging, equipping, and empowering women is encourage, uh, therefore, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. And that is from 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. And that's important because in society, um, women are often pitted against each other, um, uh, there's competition, the spirit of competition gets in. And so it, it can also, uh, this also goes across generations, but we are bombarded by images that would tell us, I mean, part of that, the piece before, right? That you're not good enough. You're not thin enough. You're not full enough. You're not fashionable enough, right? Your hair is to this, to that. There's all these kind of physical attributes, but also it plays a game on us in terms of like our credentialing, right? Who do you think you are to be living into this calling? So, so then to get back to how that um, that impacts us having each other's backs and wanting to be in solidarity, wanting to be helping each other to like when one succeeds, all succeed. This is also what's helpful when we look at diverse global and um, racial ethnic groups. That some some of those folks have really strong communities of rising and thriving, mm-hmm. and that sense of togetherness. When one of us succeeds, we all do. That's what we want to really encourage. And this is a non-Western concept because the Western concept is competition, survival of the fittest. It is all about individualism. And for those of us that come from communities, communities of community, (laughs) it's really rough. It is rough. And, you know, my first career was in show business. Yes, I was a performer. And I really burned out because I was so tired of having to compete against women that looked just like me. And had all the gifts and talents that I did, and it was totally up to the guy behind, you know, behind the scenes that was going to choose which of us um, was going to win the role. But, but just to say, I think, I think this uh, denouncing this competition piece. There's healthy competition, and we know we do need that. But where it's unhealthy, we just have to guard ourselves. And then quickly, spiritual maturity and psycho-emotional maturity, knowing how to relate to one another as friends, colleagues, sisters, brothers, cousins. Being comfortable, and this is Dr. Rob Dixon has helped inform this work and our naming and claiming it just to give proper uh, attribution, helping men and women be comfortable with non-sexual or non-intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. And we found this, I call it sin management. We have in a lot of our um, Christian, Protestant, mainline, and evangelical contexts, we have this thing that happens when kids hit a certain age, right? Young teens, men and women are separated, young boys and girls, men and women are separated. And then they're taught to be object of each other's desires because everybody's wanting to be on a marriage track. And so here on the East Coast, it's not quite so much because we're not 
going into that funnel as as traditionally as some places, mm-hmm. but just to honor that in many places it still is. So that's just something that is has been really important to us is to how to dismantle this sin management for the guys and for the women is that like their main goal in life is to attract a male mate. And we don't want to just have that be the only way that men and women engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Amen. I'm going to, Liz, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that answer because you just dropped, I don't know, 10, 15, like awesome <laughs> bullet points of, of ways, of things we need to be thinking about as we partner together. So yeah. thank you. Registration is now open for CBE's 2022 International Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Join us in person August 5th through 7th as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28 beside leaders from around the world. Be a part of the conversation on women, race, and ethnicity. Register now before April 30th to receive the early bird pricing of $249. Visit CBE's website to register and see information on the event schedule, lodging, speakers, and sponsorship opportunities. We hope to see you there this August as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28. Let me ask you a question about your role or your roles, more to the point, about as you sit in the Reformed Church in America, as you look out over the denomination and over particular churches within the denomination, I'm wondering what gives you hope? And then maybe the the flip side of that, what concerns you? So from your vantage point as a denominational leader. Well, so I've got a podcast, right, called Lavish Hope, Stories of Resilience and Overcoming. So listen to any episode and you will see where there's hope. Um, but but I think uh, just to kind of summarize it, I think where where I see hope is in the way that God is drawing people together, in the way that people are coming together, wanting to support one another, wanting to encourage one another. Um, I've got a group of of women right now that are traveling fast and hard together. Uh, on Thursday evenings, we have a Bible study, and we call ourselves, they, they named it, self-named, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Fire. And the fire we started wow. during, uh, whole, uh, during uh, Pentecost. So it's the Holy Spirit fire, right. right? Dancing around on everybody's heads. But this sisterhood has been bravely praying and studying scripture and encouraging each other over this last year and a half. And we have several of them now that are stepping into leadership roles and um, equipping themselves for ministry in ways that they never would have imagined. And it's so beautiful. So now there's a whole group of them, actually, that are in seminary here at New Brunswick Theological Seminary in the certificate program, which is for lay leaders. Some of them are going on to the master's. Some are just wanting that, you know, kind of continuing ed experience so that they can go back and serve um, their local community more fully as Christian leaders. And so um, that just gives me so much hope. And just seeing the blessing, too, of the diversity of people, this is a little sidebar now, I'm segueing, that in these virtual groups that we've had over the last two years since pandemic began, like we're looking for the blessings within in the midst of pandemic, right? And I, I know you all in California, you had a lot of constraints in lockdown and such. But here in the New York City area where I'm located, we got hit really hard. Oh, yeah. And for like it kept coming and come, we thought we were getting better and then it, it slammed us again. But one of the biggest places where we found hope is in the virtual spaces where very, very different kinds of people, mostly women for my, for my purposes, were meeting from the north and the south and the east and the west that never would have been able to come together. And just seeing how God was doing this healing, like the healing of the nations, 
Like in these spaces that we've had, there's been this healing work that's happening. And so when you're talking about in my role, Rob, in the Reformed Church in America, this role of women's transformation and leadership, encouraging, equipping, and empowering women, and then also helping create healthy ministry environments where men and women can work together, we also have now spun out of that this concept of equity-based hospitality and a whole prayer movement for dismantling racism. And it's been so amazing to see how leaders have risen up out of this kind of collective group of us to help lead the way. And again, people that never would have had that opportunity to come together because we've got we've got um, Anglo Dutch descent people in Iowa and Michigan and all across the country connecting with our um, African American pastors who are in our context more often in in urban settings uh, like the New York City area, Chicagoland, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, but just uh, Los Angeles, um, California, got to remember the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> but just to say that it's this kind of beautiful way that um, I'm just so hopeful of the ways that people, God is bringing people together and we're able to really lean into these places where we need healing and we need to be able to, again, draw the circle wide and embrace all God's children. And that, Rob, let me just name that that's speaking into one of our four top goals right now in the Reformed Church in America, which we call end statements. But one of our goals is a multicultural, multiracial future freed from racism. And so women's transformation and leadership has been committed to that since day one when I came on the job eight years ago. It's part of my life story. It's part of my journey. It's the community of faith that I was raised in in the city of in Manhattan and New York City. Um, so I brought that in. But I'm so excited that now there's this focus in the broader denomination to be able to do that. And I'm thrilled that God saw fit to really help cultivate that through women's transformation and leadership because it's like we're not a parallel universe of women doing things for women for the mm -hmm. sake of women. We're doing this for the sake of the whole body yep. and not just for the sake of the body, but so we can be built and strengthened for mission in the world. Yeah. So, so the hope, so, so the hope, what, what stands with the, you know, alongside hope, we got to keep it real, right? So we don't, we can't have pie in the sky hope of like, oh, everything's going to be magically, you know, better. Um, I think one of the most important things is just, we have to be intentional about all of this and you have to keep looping back, looping back, checking in, how are people doing? Who's still in the game? Who needs a little respite? How do we center the voices of the marginalized, center the people that have, experienced harm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that then speaks to the concern that sometimes in a especially in a historic organization that values the efficiency that also in this time when everybody's having to cut corners and just trim back how do we keep um focusing on where the fruit is and um do the both and work and not either or work. Because mm -hmm. part of what happens is, you know, I, I've just noted in, again, Western thinking that like, it's got to be out with the old and with the new. And so what concerns me is just that, and it's, it's, it's not like a concern about, it's a concern with, that my concern is that we continue to do the Sankofa work of looking back mm -hmm. and embracing the legacy of leadership, embracing all of the good things sifting out and attending to some of the um, things that are not good 
I mean, this is part of our work of dismantling racism. We have to go back and do this work of what we call rehearsing, of looking at where was there racist practices, where was there, and still is there systemic racism, right? We have to look back in order to look forward. So we can't just start here and now. We have to go back and unpack that, and that's painful for many people. That's really hard work, and so we want to do that well. So my concern is whatever it is that we have to go back and revisit, uh, we want to heal up. It's, it's a work of healing. So I'm concerned with making sure that we pay attention to the places that need healing, where there's wisdom that needs to be gleaned, where there's transformation that needs to be had, and that in a system that values efficiency and forward movement, that we are willing to take the time to do that hard work. And we're grateful, Reverend Dr. Denise Kingdom Greer and the First Corinthians 13 Projects helping us do that with dismantling racism, with women's transformation leadership. We've got all sorts of resources that we've created, um, at which CBE actually was really foundational in helping us to understand where to start, to be honest with you. That's why it's such a privilege to be with you today as part of this CBE podcast series, because they were instrumental back in the day when like, I, I could barely even say egalitarian church out loud in, in mixed settings in the denominational life, because it felt so dangerous, right, to do that of like, oh, we're going to offend somebody. Now we can say it with with spiritual authority in a godly gracious way but just knowing what we're talking about right that no we're not it's not some agenda this is not of the world this is our godly gracious response to what god is calling us to do so my concern is just that we continue to do the hard work and that we pay attention are intentional about um adapting and being flexible as we move forward but always always attending to healing the legacy We've got such a legacy of leadership. I mean, almost 400 years of faithful, faithful sisters and brothers doing ministry. So we want to we want to lean into that and let go of what no longer serves. Well, that is quite a vision and picture. My goodness, it is inspiring and compelling. And we we usually end with this question just about giving a little painting a picture of your dream and hope for the church. But man, you have done that really beautifully already. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity to broaden it beyond the RCA and just ask this question, like share a little of your dream for the church in the whole, as a whole, what do Mm. you hope to see God do regarding women and men in ministry partnership? Yeah. Yeah. So to that end, there's the vision of the reformed church in America. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're blessed because our general secretary, our t- I call him the Gran Jefe, our top guy right now is he's he holds three passports. Reverend Eddie Aleman. I mean, he's he's from Nicaragua originally. He landed in Canada and now he's also a US citizen. So we we are we're grateful for that bigger vision, right? And yeah. so so to so to say that within the ministries that I serve that are around this egalitarian church piece, we want to go deep and wide. So we are guiding coalitions like we want to go deeper into the Reformed Church and our congregations and shoring all of us up for that ministry. But also we want to go wide because we know that there's so many places out there where women feel alone. I just got an email today from a pastor in West Africa. I have to follow up with her pastor. Uh, uh, I won't say her name because I don't have permission to say that. But um, but but a pastor in West Africa who reached out and said, I need help. And so I'm going to email her and see what she needs. So this concept of going deep in wide. So what we've been doing is 
um, creating resourcing. So we're a spirit-led movement creating resources to help both the RCA and well beyond. So when you're talking about like the vision and sharing the dream, the dream is that all of these resources that we've been creating would be accessible, just as CBE is doing, right? That throughout the world, people would be able to 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 come and be in solidarity and mutuality with us. And so, if I may, I just want to quickly share the things that we do offer. So, um, which I haven't really done that yet, just specifically because it's important. Right. This is this is kind of the fruit of the labor. This is actually what's been created through all of this kind of co- the conceptual stuff that I've been talking to you about. So when the Me Too Church 2 hit and the church was pretty mute, we decided to step up and to create a statement called We Are Speaking, which is a call to the church to end harassment, abuse, and sexual violence against women and girls. We will come up on the five years of that in January of 2023. And so hard to believe that was already four and a half years ago, right? But um, but that We Are Speaking statement has a whole host of resourcing around it. But when we launched that um, in January of 2018, it was... I mean, within 24 hours, we had over 500 people sign it. We had people from completely divergent uh, theological positions. We had the most conservative to the most progressive pastors in our denomination sign it. We had people all over the world coming in and signing it. It was really exciting. So the We Are Speaking statement, and we were brave to do it. Like, we are speaking because we cannot not speak. Right. We don't know. We're, we're feeling nervous, but we're still going to speak because we know that we must denounce this. Then we have this thing that, again, was through CBE, gave us what we needed um, called uh, Building God's Church Together. And that is a process for folks to go through and learn what what the biblical vision is for men and women mm-hmm. to work and um, live into their callings together. And I just have to say that Dr. Rob Dixon has been a wonderful <laughs> partner and part of that ministry that uh, even as just last month when we had our cohort going through Lent, uh, doing the learning process together. So we have that. And then we have this wonderful ministry called She is Called, also Ella Yamada in Spanish. Um, and that's raising the profile of women, both biblical women and women in leadership uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So the She Is Called campaign, and we have equipping resources, leadership collaboratives, and all sorts of different things for women to gather together and go through learning processes together. And then we also have a t-shirt that has biblical women and me on it. We've got videos of women sharing about their callings. And it's just an overall, all-around um both deep and wide, right? This is like women. All, this is not just about the RCA women. This is about all women everywhere um, being able to be part of this She Is Called movement. And we're doing a workshop. Actually, my colleagues and I will be doing a workshop at the conference coming up in Atlanta in August where we'll be sharing how to create a She Is Called movement in your denomination or organization. And then finally, this piece of the legacy of leadership, which I've already talked about, which is the Sankofa work of making sure that we're looking back to look forward and honoring the mothers and 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 aunties and grandmothers and all the women of the faith and knowing that we are not starting from scratch it's really important for us to know that we are not operating in a bubble we are on a path that has already been well well hewn by women that went before us and just knowing that when women and girls thrive the whole church thrives this is both and all the way plenty of room at the good lord's table just choose your seat and sit down as the gospel song says 
Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, Liz, what can you tell listeners where to find all? I mean, you really have invested. You and your team have invested so deeply in these resources. Can you tell listeners where to find those? Yes, sure. So we have um, we have a website which is rca dot org front slash women. That's our landing page, which then will point you in the direction of any of these resources that I mentioned today. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at She Is Called. Okay. Yeah, great. And then you mentioned, uh, you got it, you got it, you beat me to it. You're going to be in Atlanta in August yes. at the Christians for Biblical Equality Conference, and you're doing a seminar along with some of your, your pals. So you want to say anything about that seminar? Well, I just want to encourage folks to come because you don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to move. When I went to the one in Orlando several years ago, I went to a workshop led by one Rob Dixon, and it was a game changer for our entire ministry. So you never know what's going to happen when you go to one of those. But I, I would love to, um, I would just love to see any of your listeners come to our workshop and just learn how more about the She Is Called movement and how to create a She Is Called movement in your organization that lives into that Galatians vision uh, that is the theme of this year's conference. Yep, it's great. And I've told you this before, Liz, but that experience in Orlando with you all walking up the aisle after my seminar, that was a game changer for me as well. So, so grateful for the chance that you and I have had and me with your team yeah. to partner together in so many ways. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's been great. And Rob, if I can just, if sure. I can just say that, you know, I want to always keep it real. They call me the rev of keeping it real. That you know, we've got this great, you know, we've got visions and dreams and all sorts of wonderful things that have been accomplished. But I just want to name that this is, there's still work to be done. This is an ongoing work. You know, I come from the Reformed tradition that says Reformed and always reforming, and our ministry plan is transformed and always transforming. But it's that ING. We live in this liminal space of constant renewal, constant need to pivot, to be agile. But just to say that there's always going to be work uh, that has to be done. Um, And so I don't ever want to candy coat or seem like I'm being Pollyanna, but I really do believe that God is God is at work. The Holy Spirit's at work in and through all of us right now. And we have a wonderful opportunity to continue to deepen and broaden this work, but just want to keep it real that, yeah, yeah, there's always work to be done. Thanks for saying that. Amen. Liz, thanks so much for being a part of this episode. Yes. It was my joy and my honor and my privilege and so fun to be with both of you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Okay, Eli. Well, that was quite an interview with Liz. She has so much to give. Um, I, I There's a lot to process and synthesize there, but what's one thing that grabbed you from what the conversation? Yes. I loved when she was talking about, you know, when you champion for mutuality, when you make space for people at the table, whatever the differences are, whether it's mixed gender, um, ethnic and racial differences, abilities, different things like that, that you invite different perspectives. But then she just very briefly cast vision and said, when we do that, we also invite the Holy Spirit to work in a way that we may have never seen. And just, I, it really perked my attention of just, wow, what if the breakthroughs that we're seeking to see are actually going to come when we have that mutual partnership with the other, when we have that diversity, diversity around the table that invites the spirit to work in ways we aren't even expecting or aware of. And I just really love that. Uh, yeah. What about for you, Rob? Well, I love that too. Yeah. Don't block the blessing. I think she said, right. Uh, yeah, the, that's right. Yeah. The other one that struck me was her whole thing about looking 
back to look forward. So it's a both and. It's not just sort of let's just move ahead. It's also let's acknowledge what was behind the good things and the hard things. Um, and so that struck me as a really helpful framing for us as we move ahead as a community, as a church community. Like, yeah, let's look ahead, but let's also do the work of yeah. processing and reconciling and repenting perhaps of what was behind. And so I think that's a good word there. So we want to say thank you to Liz Testa. And we want to say thank you to listeners for joining us with this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love to hear from you. Follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter. For up-to-date info and content, you can leave us a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, please do share it with a friend. I'm Rob Dixon, and with my co-host, Lila Van Gerpen, we would like to thank our guest, Reverend Liz Testa, as well as our talented editor, Landon Hook, and the team at Christians for Biblical Equality. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters podcast. Thanks for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.